This is the Movie Hall of Fame for Thursday, February 13th, 2020, Class of 1973 edition, Adam Hall. Nico DiGregorio? How about them Oscars, boy? <laughs> oh yeah, we never talked about the Oscars. Well, we? it just happened. Oh yeah, I guess it did. We haven't seen each other. No, we haven't. Since the world changed. Yeah, the world the world changed. <laughs> Since I, Decision I, I, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> took the the planet by storm that's the biggest decision of 2020 i think so <laughs> the fucking oscars i think that's the biggest election i think it's definitely gonna be the most surprising election <laughs> got to my head i think i agree with you there yeah um yeah uh i was th- pleasantly surprised yeah I mean, right off the bat, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, Midsummer got fucking recognition. <laughs> what the hell was that? For the love of God, what were they doing? Um, I couldn't tell you. I was. I mean, those were some weird choices. They had like Midsummer, Joker, Us. Us was, I saw Dolomite was in there. I guess they were like, well, these are popular, beloved movies, and it would be nice if we showed our fans that, hey, we watch movies too, even though we don't watch movies. <laughs> So, no, but we watch movies, and these are the movies we watch, apparently. <laughs> That's what was so weird about it. Midsummer, though? Like, what the f- I don't know. I'm all for it. I was great, but I was, like, flabbergasted that they even thought to do that. Yeah, and then they had some weird montages that had a lot of, like, strange movie clips. Mm-hmm. You know what was weird when they were like, documentaries, those are cool. Here's every important documentary ever made. <laughs> there was a weird distance, I think. They're like, no one kind of gave a shit this this time around yes it was it was everything was was just like all right move on to the next one it was very like assembly line with the way they handled the awards i suppose yeah well there's no host so i'm sure that helps that yeah um they they, weren't even having fun well i feel like they they were having fun in their way i mean whatever that means is eminem doing lose yourself considered fun i think that was fun (laughs) i had fun with it yeah it would have been, you know, oh my god, there's there's so many more ways it could have been just, like, the most incredible show ever. Like, if Woody Allen showed up at the end, <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> if he just presented Best Picture? Yo. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Him and Weinstein just <laughs> hand oh, in hand. No. Oh, no. Uh, you were happy about Parasite, though? Oh, of course I was. I was telling you, um, that was the the most important win yes and i was like i was like it there it, I, i'm not even sure if it was my favorite film i mean it's certainly one of my favorites of last year mm-hmm. but i did think that it's the film that needed to win and i was getting upset because i didn't think it would yeah but um i, I mean was, not like that's a reason to give it best picture but no it's also a great movie that, combined with the significance exactly because right? more often than not they say it's significant so give it the award and i'm like yeah but the movie ain't that great right uh, but this was one where I was like, okay, it's a fantastic movie, and uh, this is, we've been waiting for something like this for a long time, so please, Oscars, just do it. Yeah. And again, like I said, in the back of my head, I'm like, there's no way, you know, 1917's going to get it, which is cool, I guess. Uh, but um, I think I texted you midway through the show, and it was weird, because it happened... After 1917 had lost production design to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then they lost sound editing to Mm. Ford versus Ferrari. And I know, like, that's not necessarily indicative of Best Picture, but I texted you, and I think I also texted Jabril at the same time, 1917 should be winning more of these. We have heard this thing about 1917 winning in a sweep, perhaps breaking records for all the technical categories. But not quite. Once I saw that Ford versus Ferrari won, weirdly enough, it was sound editing that pushed me over the edge. And I thought to myself, ah, 
Keep an eye on Parasite here. Well, the momentum was starting to die down, oddly. But I think the other thing was that the talk around Parasite was always greater than the talk surrounding 1917. Yes. It just was. I mean, in popular culture. Which is so weird, isn't it? I know, it? right? Like, just just in, like, common groups. And I don't mean even mean in media, just with, like, my friends. It was like, yeah, fucking Parasite. Like, that movie is just a banger. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I mean, yeah, I agree, but I did not expect that from you. Right. I didn't expect that from you, friend of my mom, you know? <laughs> It's like, what the hell? It, sure. But it was cool. I was like, oh my God, like like the weird ones are getting some recognition and that's awesome. Right. Um, uh, I, it, was, it was when it won Best Original Screenplay that I was like, oh my God, it's going to win. Yeah. It's going to win. As a ch- and that was early in the night too. Yeah, exactly. So you got to see four different bong acceptance speeches <laughs> just scattered across the night. And bong man oh killed it i I feel the same way i I found myself weirdly emotionally invested to bong (laughs) and i wasn't expecting that but i like found myself not only happy for the movie and happy that this type of movie a foreign film one best picture but just like this specific guy (laughs) he's just an awesome dude it's so easy to root for right oh god he's just i was like this is the most down-to-earth real lovable human being i've ever met this is my this is my buddy on stage right now like when he turned and let his other friends speak and in the background he's just staring at his oscar oh that was the greatest shot i've ever seen at the oscars before fuck (laughs) yeah that is awesome i love this guy i mean i've always liked the guy but i didn't understand how much i loved him until that night yeah dude and then he of course gives that incredible acceptance speech for director i thought so too that is gonna go down as i think one of my favorite acceptance speeches ever Mm. at an award show yeah just thanking marty and quentin and then also yada yadding over sam mendes and todd phillips <laughs> that was amusing. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot to mention you guys. Oh yeah, the other two. Because you know, like I didn't like your films nearly. <laughs> These as much. two are icons, and the other two guys that were nominated. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that was funny to me. It's just, like, it's like the 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 most selfless speech I've I've ever heard, and that's yeah. what I love so much about it. He had no concern for himself. He's just like, thank you guys. Right. Like like seriously, I'm in the I'm in the room with Marty and Quentin. Like guys, this this is yours. I was like, okay. Yeah. And a lot of people have done that, but the way he did it was just so sincere. No, it felt incredibly sincere. Yeah. And you could tell like he had been dreaming about this moment for yes. a long time. And yes. it, the the significance was not lost on him. No. And I felt that way actually about most of the winners. I just thought it was a fun, weird but fun Oscars. It was like through it, and through. It was it felt like a happy ending. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt like the good guys won. And I know like yes. that's not a great narrative. Because movies aren't good or evil. They're just movies. And we should just treat them as movies. But I couldn't help but feel that way. Yeah, I know. I mean, everyone I thought was going to... What's the best way I, I could describe it? Because like, the obvious ones I knew were going to get it. Yeah. Which, which were uh, funny and, and good. But like the upsets made me happy. Yes. And that's that's the, the key to like like the really, really memorable and great show. But then, like, oh my God, when Joaquin Phoenix got up there and <laughs> gave us, Abby and I were losing our shit. We what the hell was that? I don't know. The I, cows, dude. Quit drinking milk. The, Did you think twice when you had your Wheaties the next morning? Did you think twice? No, Joker told you to stop drinking milk. <laughs> exactly. What the fuck is this? <laughs> you take the baby away from the bomb and the cries are unmistakable. <laughs> yeah, man. What the hell was Dude, he talking just about? Just do the River Phoenix quote and leave. That, and everyone would have been so happy with it. You know, just be sincere. I mean, Brad was that way too. Like, Brad actually got choked up a little bit midway through the speech. He was talking about his mom, going to the movies with his folks and dreaming about it and starving for years. 
It's the first time he's been serious in this award campaign. Yeah. Which is nice. But that's what we want to see, man. We don't need your your monologue. It's like you can do one political joke. I will allow one political mm. joke, and it's got to be underhanded and and uh, <laughs> and subtle. Okay. You know, don't don't give me the cows, dude. I don't think he believed in anything he was saying. Yeah, perhaps not. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I feel like he's just like Walking Phoenix is a, a living troll. Yeah, well, and he's food. also quite high all the time. That too. <laughs> so yeah. Did you see the bong story? It was on Twitter uh, on the set of Snowpiercer because it was a Weinstein production movie, and so there's this shot in Snowpiercer where one of the elites is cutting open a fish. It's like I, I forgot the scene, but like it's it's oh when they're in the train and then everyone's got like their axes and they're ready to go and like it's right. a threatening gesture they cut open they the cut fish. open the fish right yeah so Harvey Weinstein sees the shot in one of the cuts of the movie and tells Bong yeah this one's kind of slow let's get rid of this and insert some action here and Bong's like no Harvey this shot meant a lot to me because my father was a fisherman and I really want to include this so Harvey let him include it out of respect um and then bong is telling the story several years later and he goes that was a fucking lie my dad was not a fisherman at all <laughs> i just wanted the shot in the movie <laughs> it's just such a great bong story <laughs> and an f you to harvey weinstein uh, that's a great story i'm like yeah no i just wanted the shot in the movie my that's, dad was not a fisherman <laughs> oh that's wonderful <laughs> Dude, Bong's the best. I love. Yeah, of course he is. I love Bong, and I know it always bothered me when you would throw a little bit of shade at him. Like, well, not- Snowpiercer's not great, but that's all right. Yeah, it's arguably pretty great. It's not Parasite. No, but few movies are. <laughs> few movies are. That is true. That, that's you know. What are you comparing here? Um, I did. I, I got to do Memories of a Murder. Yeah, I, I need to do that. Yeah, I need to watch that. And the host. Yes. Um, I I saw. I saw a documentary on Netflix. Oh. Yeah, that Taylor Swift Miss Americana doc. Whoa. Did you watch that? You watched Miss Americana? Yeah. Oh, man, I would have done my homework had I known about this. (laughs) Let me know. I need to get around to this. It's a tremendous piece of shit. Oh, no. I absolutely hated it. Why would you do this? It was so deplorable. Why would you do this? My God, I mean... Why would you not tell me? I'm I'm offended you didn't tell me. I would have watched this and we would have had an hour-long conversation about it. (laughs) I figured you did see it. I have been having to catch up on other things. I don't know. I've been catching up on Oscar movies. Well, good for you. I'm I'm glad you did that and you didn't watch this thing. Holy fucking shit. What specifically is bad about it? I mean, the whole thing is just, it's, it, it does not play like a documentary at all. It plays more like, like, like a PR stunt. Yeah. Like, like, like it's more for her brand than anything authentic. It says less than anything interesting about her. Uh-huh. Everything you could possibly predict about her lifestyle, she divulges. And every cliche <laughs> you could possibly come up with. <laughs> to make you feel bad in quotes for this overprivileged white girl do, do they do they get into the scooter Braun thing at all uh they get into mentioned? kanye briefly and oh they, <laughs> fuck off taylor i know and do the, they talk about the snapchat with kim kardashian i don't think so no okay yeah yeah what did they say about kanye does she bash kanye she just t- talks about how Kanye almost ruined her life, essentially. You know. And then, like, it was like, yeah, I, I'm someone who on- only gets satisfaction out of people liking me. Verbatim. Right. And I was... Uh, Could have fooled me. Immediately, I hate this person. <laughs> I mean, 
it, Taylor after the end of this documentary, it's like Taylor Swift is well on her way to becoming a psychopath if she's not that already. Yeah, I mean, just like the most evil human being I've I've ever seen. <laughs> I just hated her. I, I could well, not. I mean, kudos to her for allowing that stuff to be in the documentary, though. I don't. Well, I don't think she understood what she was doing. It's like Taylor, like. Like you, this is not doing you any favors at all. Yeah. Um, aside from your crazed fans who are going to love this and you know, you have plenty of those. Sure. Uh, yeah. Every like sane human being is going to look at you and give you just the, the, the grandest middle finger in the world. Oh, I hated it. I hate it. it was How just, long is it? Uh, it's, I think it's, uh, an hour and 26 minutes. Okay. I can do that. I can bang that out tonight. It is the most bullshit documentary you've ever seen. I would rather watch that, that, uh, one we did that was about fake art underwater. Oh, I hated that one too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least that one was kind of fun and funny towards the end. I was just like, oh my god, I was pulling my hair out during this thing. I absolutely. Hated I mean, I it. could have predicted that though. I know. I, well, <laughs> I knew that too, though. It's like I know what this is gonna be, but like it's so like like oh my god, like shamelessly that. Yeah, I just couldn't stand it. I could not stand it. While we're on the subject, I did The Unthinkable this year, and I watched every single movie nominated for an Oscar. Everything. Jesus. I watched every makeup nominee. I watched every special effects nominee, every costume design nominee. You have too much time on your Every hands. documentary, every animated <laughs> film, every foreign film. Too I much time. Everything. Too much time and on too your many hands. thoughts. <laughs> um, so... I'm going to run down just a few. I'm not going to go through everything. Okay. Because I fucking watched Maleficent Mistress of Evil. Dude. <laughs> Understand like that's the type of movie that I subjected myself to. Oh no. I watched the third How to Train Your Dragon movie and I'm not sure I've seen the second one. I love those movies. Though. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen the second one. I love all those. Yeah, movies. I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I, I was like, when did Gerard Butler die? First one. Oh, he did? Yeah. Okay, actually, I totally forgot. No, actually, I think he died in the second one. Yeah, I like that second one. Okay, yeah, I, I was totally lost. But That's okay, let me just give you a couple that I, I kind of liked. Um, I Lost My Body, the animated one, French movie about a guy that cuts his hand off and the hand like crawls around France searching for him. <laughs> okay. Animated movie, kind of too artsy-fartsy, but pretty sick, kind of liked it, not right. going to lie. Uh, Harriet was just awful. Missing Link, not good. Uh, Klaus, or Claus as it's known colloquially, colloquially. I, I know what you're saying. Did I get that right? I don't think so. The colloquialism. Uh, <laughs> really liked it. Okay. Solid. It's just another Christmas movie. Norm MacDonald's in it, so that elevates it like a full three stars for me. Okay. He's incredible. I've heard of it like vaguely. So. Yeah, it's just a retelling of the Santa Claus story. Okay. J.K. Simmons plays Santa. Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty solid. It's on Netflix. All right, all right, all right. If you have kids, recommend it for the kids. They'd enjoy that. Uh, I saw For Sama... The documentary about uh, Aleppo and just like children getting their hands blown off and you just see footage of the most horrific stuff you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it is, I think, the most uncomfortable, unpleasant watch of my life. For Sama? Yeah. But it's harrowing and incredible. Wouldn't recommend. But here's the thing, though, Academy. <laughs> like, you need to stop nominating documentaries like this. <laughs> you got to like yeah. nominate Rolling Thunder Review. You gotta, you gotta, I understand like what they're trying to do. They're trying to like achieve some sort of moral imperative and they're trying to bring recognition to movies that make a difference in the world. But some of this stuff is just like, dude, you watch an almost uh, stillbirth happen. Is your phone ringing, by the way? 
It was, yeah. Okay. Uh, so you watch like a baby come out of the womb and it's laying there like lifeless for like two minutes and you just watch the baby being brought back to life. Yeah. So it's so it's like kind of a happy ending in that scene, but the rest of the scenes don't really have a happy ending. It's like Roma, except the baby doesn't die. Yes. Yeah, but Roma was fake. This is real. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maleficent, I talked about. I didn't know Maleficent. Let me ask you a question. Did you know Maleficent was a fairy? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. <laughs> Come on. No, I don't know why I know that, but I did. Dude, when Angelina Jolie like just extends her wings... She's got these giant crow wings. I'm like, what the fuck? Is Maleficent a bird? <laughs> you didn't see that in the trailer, did you? No. Okay. I don't remember the trailers. Yeah, it was in the trailer. Dude, at the end of this movie, Maleficent uh, dies because like she's infected by some magical flower. And so Maleficent like explodes into... Spoiler alert for Maleficent Doesn't too. she die in Beauty and the Beast? Whatever, dude. She explodes into like a like a like uh, an ashen blaze. And then... Through the power of love, I guess, like Sleeping Beauty, her goddaughter just cries on her ashes. Oh no! And she's <laughs> reincarnated as a giant, literally a giant bird, and she just flies around, and she's just a giant bird. She doesn't have a maleficent head; she's just a bird. I see. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's really fucking weird. Dude. Okay. Michelle Pfeiffer's in this movie. Yeah, I saw that in the trailers as well. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I don't know. I, I don't mind that first movie. It's you saw it? Yeah, it's, it's okay. Okay. Um, and here's my big recommendation for you. Honeyland. Oh, yeah. Honeyland. Another Neon Pictures movie. Okay. Who bought Parasite. So mm-hmm. it's a big year for them. Nominated for the first time ever, Best Documentary and Best Foreign Film. It's about a beekeeper in Macedonia, the last female beekeeper in all of Europe, living in a village... And it's just like a slice of life, like cinema verite film where they just watch her. There's no narration, no voiceover, no interviews, nothing. It's just cut together like a motion picture. And this woman uh, like just lives with her mother and uh, her mother is on death's door and they're slowly eking out a living. And here comes like a family of nomads. I guess gypsies is what you used to call them. Now they're called nomads. And it's just like this couple with seven children and they are just invading her bees and they're just taking all of her honey and killing her bees and like you know bringing cows into her land and everything and it's just like this slice of life just uh just fly on a wall story Uh and it is fucking amazing okay it is honestly one of the best movies i've seen this year all right. It is so, 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 so good. Not for everyone, I'm sure. But for me, I'm just like, yo, bees, dude. <laughs> not for Zach. Nah, not for Zach. He doesn't like, well, I don't like bees either, but I was kind of into these bees. All right. Interesting. Honeyland. I don't know if that illustrated too much for me. That's a good thing, though. Yeah, I don't even know how to explain it because it just, if some of the shots, it feels like it's a staged movie, but it's not. It's a documentary. Cool. Like, the cinematography is incredible in it. Like, you almost could have given it a Best Cinematography nomination. Wow. And it's a documentary. Neat. Neat. Incredible. All right. Honeyland. Honeyland. Gotta do it. Okay. okay. Got a lot of things I need to watch. Let's talk 1973. Cool. Uh, Don't Look Now, Serpico, Mean Streets, American Graffiti, The Exorcist, and The Sting are your nominees. Stacked mm. list. Very stacked. Early 70s, dude. We love this. This whole decade. 
highest grossing movie of 1973 was? Uh, I don't know. The Sting. The Sting. Cool. Followed by The Exorcist, American Graffiti, Papillon. I love Papillon. And The Way We Were. I love Uh, Papillon. The Sting wins Best Picture over American Graffiti, Cries and Whispers, The Exorcist, and A Touch of Class. I cannot believe The Exorcist was nominated for Best Picture. (laughs) That is so bizarre. (laughs) That's cool, though. It's awesome. I love that. That's so weird. Cries and Whispers was also nominated? That's that's an interesting... Bergman. Yeah. Uh, George Roy Hill wins Best Director for The Sting. Jack Lemmon from Mm. Save the Tiger wins Best Actor. Cool. Don't know about that choice. We'll talk about that in a minute. Glenda Jackson wins Best Actress for A Touch of Class. Okay. Jack Hausman, John Hausman, wins Best Supporting Actor for The Paper Chase. And Tatum O'Neill, Best Supporting Actress for Paper Moon. One of the youngest. I think the youngest to win a competitive Oscar, because Shirley Temple is the youngest in quotes, but she was just kind of given the award. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's got to be Tatum, right? Yeah. Or, or, um, no, I'm pretty sure it's Tatum. Did the chick from Driving Miss Daisy win? No, I don't think she no. did. Yeah, okay. Uh, honorable mentions. Westworld came out that year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Remade as a not good HBO series. <laughs> Just not good. You mentioned Papillon. I love that movie. My father's um, buddy has a great story about Papillon. Oh, boy. Where he, like... Uh, ran into a stripper in like Puerto Rico or something. I forget where they were. And she had a giant uh, butterfly tattoo. Mm. And he nicknamed her Papillon. <laughs> I was going to say, how does this relate to the movie? <laughs> oh, just the, the butterfly. It's just the tattoo. Okay. It's just the tattoo. <laughs> uh, man, could have nominated Badlands. We chose not to. <laughs> I wanted to, but yeah, it was, it was, I, I, I think my, my, I hope my gamble worked. Yeah. Uh, same for Enter the Dragon, which was another one I saw on a lot of lists. Mm-hmm. Um, probably could have made the case for a nomination there. Oh, yeah. Paper Moon, as we just mentioned, I fucking love that movie, dude. Me too. Uh, the original Wicker Man came out that year. I have not seen it. Uh, I would never have nominated it, but it's an interesting conversation. Uh, the Last Detail, comedy starring Jack Nicholson. Okay. And Live and Let Die. I've not seen The Last Detail. Neither have I. Mm-hmm. Live and Die, best Bond song. Probably. Of all time. Well, probably. probably. Just is, right? Maybe. I don't is know. there even an argument? Uh, Skyfall, you can make the argument for. I don't think so, though. Yeah. I don't know. Um, National Film Registry has American Graffiti, Badlands, Enter the Dragon, The Exorcist, Mean Streets, The Spook Who Sat by the Door, The Sting, and The Last Tango in Paris. Still need to see Last Tango in Paris, right? Basically a porn. Have you seen it? Yeah. Bernardo Bertolucci. It's a porn? What do you mean it's a it's porn? A, there's a lot of sex in that movie. So what? I believe it's rated X. So what if there's a lot of sex? Oh, nothing wrong with it. Brando is remarkable. Um, right. It's just kind of a controversial movie from the trash heap of history. Did William Goldman write that? No. Who? who no. Who made that movie, though? Bernardo Bertolucci. Bernardo, okay, yeah. 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 Just, just died. Yeah, that's along with, by the way, I think they died like within like two weeks of each other. Nicholas Rogue. Yep. Who we're talking about right now in a movie called Don't Look Now. Nicholas Rogue directs Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland star. A married couple grieving the recent death of their young daughter are in Venice when they encounter two elderly sisters, one of whom is psychic and brings a warning from beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did you nominate this? <laughs> uh <clears throat> And widely regarded as one of the better films of this year, strangely. 
Um, it's a film that I saw in college just on my own accord. <laughs> and I just had one of the more unique responses to a movie I've ever had. It's it's one of those things where it's like, I, I, I don't know what that was. Um, it was weird as shit, but I absolutely dug it for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I've been toiling with it ever since I saw it. I mean, I feel like I have somewhat of a grasp on it, but it's just... It's wholly unique with its editing and it's, it's it's the way it wants to tell its story and its handling of grief. Um, and, and just like seeing Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie in this movie together and what happens to them is just bizarre. Um, but again, like like uh, uh, one of the more well-respected movies amongst the film circuit, at least with, certainly with filmmakers. For some, this is one of, another one of those films that – uh, filmmakers absolutely adore Edgar Wright uh, specifically. He's a great example of that. Who cites this one a lot, and I, it's just one that I kind of I just I just wanted to discuss. Yeah, I read Danny Boyle loves it too. I that, think this is Danny Boyle's favorite movie. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, a um, couple things I thought when I watched this movie. <laughs> um, thought about Hereditary. <laughs> okay a lot about hereditary themes of grief and loss and parents dealing with that and uh i also thought about antichrist <laughs> i thought a lot about antichrist just again with the grief and the surrealism and the editing style yeah. and um the sex, sex. The yes, copious amounts of sex. No, there is not copious amounts of sex. It's just the scene. Um, <laughs> the scene. Long story short, I fucking love this movie. Yeah, I just love it Fuck so yeah. much. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, I'm so worried. Oh my god, I loved it. I absolutely adored it. So I want to talk about this scene for a second because okay. it's widely considered the most famous scene in the movie, and it's in 1973, and it's very explicit, at least for the time. Uh, you, you get a good look at Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie. There's not much of them you don't see, um, but just like. One of the best sex scenes I've ever seen in a movie could be the best sex scene I've ever seen in a movie. It is my favorite sex. scene. So like brilliant, <laughs> like the intercutting. Obviously, the scene itself is beautifully shot, yep. choreographed and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but the intercutting of them getting dressed. Yeah. <laughs> so you watch them. You get like three seconds of Donald Sutherland's ass. And then you get three seconds of him just buttoning up his shirt in the bathroom. I love that. And then you get three seconds of Julie Christie's breasts. And then you get another three seconds of her like brushing her teeth. Mm-hmm. And the juxtaposition of just like this is love at its most animalistic. And this is love day to day. Yep. And what it says about their marriage, like coming together and falling apart, mm-hmm. is just exactly. really complicated and brilliant. Interesting, but it's a, such a simple decision. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I'm a, I'm a filmmaker, and I'm like, let's just get some shots of them getting ready afterwards. It doesn't require like that much direction. It's sure. just like we're just going to shoot this version and we're going to shoot that version. Right. And it's like a it's like a mixture of, of of elements that is just such a smart idea. It's like, oh, why didn't we think of this before? For all those reasons you just explained, I loved like the the juxtaposition between the 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 intensity and the mundaneness and sort of again like you said what that says about their marriage and their their relationship and everything yes and you know how how it it it's sort of a uh, it sort of prepares you for how they're going to fall apart later yes it's like this is sort of the jumping off point at a, in a weird way i mean they set up the initial tragedy but to give you a greater sense of why these this couple isn't going to work yes you know that's oddly the scene yes because the sex scene is like the most passionate fucking thing i've ever seen in my life oh yeah 
But then them just getting ready is like, you know, the most boring thing I've ever seen in my life. Right. And the movie just has so much of that. The editing yeah. is so clever. Yes. And, and you see all of these movies, like Danny Boyle, Train Spotting mm-hmm. is a uh, is is a frenetically edited movie, um, and and I just feel like a lot of that inspiration came from here. I, I don't yeah. I don't know if I've seen a lot of movies pre nineteen eighty five that are this quick cutting and clever. Okay. in the edit. I guess you could attribute that, like, because when you look at it's, you know, honestly, another reason why I picked this is because I know how influential it is to British cinema. Yes. And I've seen a lot of, like, British cinema of the 90s, and I see a lot of, uh, like, like Neil Marshall with his films, like with Dog Soldiers or with um, um, The Descent and films like that, where it's just the editing style is just like, whoa, 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 what's happening? You know, it's, there's a lot of that, and it's, it's, it's like, again, I, I use this. I use the word "violent" to describe things a lot, but the editing is just like jarring, but like appropriately so to the point where it's like it's it's such a weird blend. It's like it's both horrifying yet yet oddly pleasant at the same time. It's kind of an easy watch for a movie yeah. that yeah. that's so dreadful in yes. many ways. Yeah, exactly. Like you expect something like Hereditary, which is just a slog, man. No matter <laughs> even if you love or hate that movie, there is no denying that movie. Takes 10 years off your life as you're watching it. <laughs> it's just unpleasant. Yes. Um, this movie is, I think, a little more entertaining than Hereditary. Um, Maybe. The uh, the cinematography is just beautiful. It really is a beautifully shot movie, although it's kind of drab. And it's... Yeah. Well, the, the, the location is drab. I mean, but it's Venice, though. How often have you seen a Venice that's that gray? Have you been to Venice? No, but... Is I've it, been to Venice. Well, I, that, this is a great question. So... <laughs> Does, does it line up with your interpretation of Venice? I I went to Venice and we went at night and we I was fucking terrified because I kept looking for that little person in red. <laughs> and when it got quiet at night, I'm like, I don't like this. I thought of Don't Look Now the entire time. I thought of Don't Look Now more than Last Crusade. Oh, wow. It's perfect. This yeah. is exactly what it's like because it's all falling apart. Right. And Rogue shoots it that way too. Yeah, like it's exactly. there. There are no colors except for the red jackets. Kind of like Schindler's List. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> it's just those two. It's a weird comparison, but those two red jackets are the only signs of life you have in this lifeless city. Yeah, it's just a hellscape. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's not often you see Italy shot that way. Normally, you see it in the middle of summer, blaring sun, mm-hmm. uh, just oversaturated color. You think about the Godfather. Oh, like yeah. the Godfather. Its version of Italy is nowhere near Don't Look Now's version no. of Italy. No, no. Um, and so you have this city which is mostly uninhabited. Mm-hmm. You very rarely see anyone else besides the main characters in the frame. So it just has this like dreamlike quality to it mm-hmm. where you're just running around. You ever, whenever you're in a dream, you're in your own dream. Very rarely are there background actors. No. There aren't like, you know, people just going about their business. It's just you and the other person. And this movie has that quality the entire time. Yeah. It's empty and it's lonely and it's isolated and it's dead. The dreadfulness that leads to all that, though, like that, that overlooming sense of it all. Like, yeah, just a weird atmosphere that just it's with every with some with what happens at the end. Yes. I'm just like the in Bruges ending. Yeah. yeah in a way. <laughs> <laughs> but that 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 notion where it's like something is is looming and stalking all of us, and I don't know what it is, and then when it's finally revealed, or, ju- or just the emotional impact of what that all means is just oh god, 
it's really good. <laughs> it freaked me the fuck out. Yeah. with this ending because it's weird because the ending is not like the head getting knocked off in in Hereditary. Yes, but there's just something so deeply wrong about it. Yeah, it's not a horribly like violent or bloody movie either. No, it's just creepy and unsettling, and you have a hard time finding your footing. Well, that's the thing. Well, I like that though. Yeah, find not not understanding like like your place in this world. I guess is could be an, an interesting theme with that. But <sighs> trying to come to terms with what's actually wrong and sort of when they discover it is 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 uh, incredibly effective. Yeah, especially with what these characters are going through. And oh boy, yeah, I I, I yeah, I've I've always like loved this movie. But it, it again, it's one of those movies that I'm I'm. I'm always discovering new things with. Yeah. Which is what I love so much about it. I need to delve into the Nicholas Rogue filmography, I think. I mean, this is the only one I've ever seen. Okay, I need more. I need more of this guy. I like the cut of this guy's jib. I've been told um, um, uh, uh, performance is one we should do, but I think that one's might even be more, um, why is this a thing? Walkabout? Is it called Walkabout? Walkaway? Walkabout, I think. Walkabout, yeah. 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 That's another one. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, this guy's weird and also like ahead of his time. No, I thought with the editing especially. Like yeah. I said, this is one of the most interestingly edited films I've ever seen, but I love it. It's, it'd be one of my top picks. It's like in a top 10 best edited films. Yeah, really smart movie. Um, plays around with the logic of time, which again, 1973 yep, yep. is certainly uh, on the cutting edge and says a lot of interesting stuff about like the relationships between men and women oh, yeah. and women's ability to listen and man's ability not to listen. Um and uh, yeah, it's just a real interesting exploration of a marriage and death and misery. Mm-hmm. So good, excellent. Thank you for assigning this to me. I- I'm so happy. I don't see any chance of it getting in because <laughs> it's like uh, it has some impact. An uh, indie darling, but yeah, no, I mean it has some I- impact. I mean it's nowhere near some of the other films on this list. But yeah, all these films to a degree uh, uh, have a, have a certain level of impact and legacy, and they're they're all just great movies. Serpico. Serpico. Uh, Sidney Lumet directs. Mm -hmm. Al Pacino stars as Frank Serpico. An honest New York cop named Frank Serpico blows the whistle on rampant corruption in the force only to have his comrades turn against him. Nominated for two Oscars, best actor in a leading role and best adapted screenplay based on the true story of Frank Serpico, real New York City cop. All of this actually happened. Um, I was saying this earlier. I I don't know how this doesn't win Best Actor, but then again, there are like four Al Pacino performances that didn't win Best Actor that confound me. Oh yeah, just confound me. Yeah. Um. I look. I have not seen Checks Notes. <laughs> uh, Jack Lemon and Save the Tiger. I love me some Jack Lemon. Never saw him in Save Me the Tiger though. I don't imagine how it can be more generation defining and nuanced and subtle as Al Pacino and Serpico, which is funny to say uh, Al Pacino being subtle. Yeah. Well, this was a different time, right? Mm-hmm. It's like him and this and him and Godfather part two specifically. Yes. Uh, I, I'm going to consider this my first time watching Serpico. Okay. I mean, it's one of those movies that I caught on TV all the time so nothing that happened in the film was like really a surprise to me it's like oh I saw that I saw that but I'd never seen it in order all the way through so I was like I'm just gonna sit down and commit to the entire experience and it was absolutely wonderful yeah it's fantastic and it's uh oh my god yeah it's one of my favorite uh, Pacino performances now I can definitively say yeah and again what an interesting film I think I would maybe have it 
behind Dog Day and Godfather 2, I yeah. think. But I, I would might, put it ahead of everything else. I actually think I like this a little more than Dog Day. Just a little bit. Dog more. Day is my favorite performance in any motion picture wow. ever. Okay. Interesting. That is my number one. Wow. Um, and then Godfather 2, again, like... How that dude doesn't win Best Actor? What more do you have to do to win Best Actor? That performance is like like staggering. Yeah, it's just but incredible, I, dude. I know. They didn't want to give more awards to the Godfather, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Fine, I, okay. Uh, but no, I I look at this one and it's um, a version of Pacino that I don't think we've seen at all since. It it is his most subtle and quiet and brooding. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think this character and all the credit goes to him is uh, really indicative of the 70s and the culture yep. of that era. And, you know, his uh, his beard and his outfits and his love of musical theater mm-hmm. and art, and juxtaposed with his job as a police officer, really says a lot about this era. And you almost give it style points or... or um, yeah, you almost give it points because it's, it's so uh, meaningful to the zeitgeist. But it, it is a, a really just sympathetic awesome mm-hmm. movie performance movie star performance mm-hmm. and you watch something like this and you're like oh what happened to that guy <laughs> is that guy still in there somewhere yeah is that guy who played jimmy hoffa screaming <laughs> you think- fucking morons <laughs> is there like is that guy still in there i want to hope he is i don't think he is i think he's gone yeah it sucks but like like no i i wouldn't even necessarily go so far as to call say it's like indicative of one specific time i don't think it's that dated i mean it i mean obviously he's like a hippie and yeah and it's it's interesting to put him in the shoes of a police officer but there is a lot to be said about just people in general like being someone else that's not traditionally this kind of guy and then they decide i want to go be that and seeing what happens to them by their peers when they do try to pursue that said thing Mm -hmm. i have a good friend who's gay and he's also a police officer oh and that's uh, was always like a tough thing for him to 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 reckon with. Yeah, and it never quite worked. I mean, I don't know what he's up to now, but um, yeah, it's it, it's they're just things that not have not been like like molded for people like him. Yeah, and you could say the same about someone like Frank Serpico and what that says about humanity in general and and how difficult it is for people to accept something even if there's like a, a set ways of doing things in quotes yeah and how hard even more so how hard that is to break oh i mean that is certainly a timeless story yeah. of the guy that uh, that bucks societal trends yes. and uh bucks peer pressure yeah. to do the right thing certainly i will say that serpico is not as good as rudy <laughs> <laughs> but it's close yeah man i mean just uh the the pathos of, of friggin sam from lord of the rings <laughs> Sean Astin. <laughs> I knew a guy that had sex with Sean Astin's daughter. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's the end of the story. Okay. I don't have anything else to add. Let's move on. That's, that's the extent of my relationship with Sean Astin. Uh, nice needle drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah, this movie is is just... Really, really good. I, I also think the other thing that dates it, and this is not a, necessarily a bad thing, but this version of New York City mm. is night and day with the version of New York City today. And we're going to talk about that with Mean Streets in a second. And yep. we're going to talk about that in terms of just like Scorsese's filmography. No. Lamette's New York movies have a similar feel. Disgusting. Yes. Mm-hmm. There, There is a real cesspool and hell-like quality to this version of New York. Yeah. 
and uh, the New York of our generation, the post 9-11 New York, the post Rudy Giuliani New York, with just like a vibrant Times Square and a clean uh, uh, downtown and, you know, tourism and expensive rent is is unfamiliar to yeah. to uh, to this version of New York. I know. I know. Well, I thought the same thing. I was like, whoa, this is very Scorsese with its look and whatnot. Yeah. And it again, same with like Taxi. It was giving me like the not so much the atmosphere, but a similar uh, like just plain look of uh, of New York. It's equally as grimy as like Taxi Driver is, you know? Yes. Um, but the movie is is interesting as well because of its editing. Uh-huh. I thought on, on, when, on rewatch, I was like, whoa, this is frenetic and it's fast. And there are zero moments that let you breathe. Okay. I was, I was like, I was like, I, and I, I usually complain about that because I just don't think it's appropriate in a lot of movies. I like taking the time to sit with what just happened, but it's this, the Nolan problem for you. It is the Nolan problem <laughs> with me, but here it was appropriate because Frank is like always on his toes and like looking behind his shoulder. Yes. So there's the, the sense of urgency and, and the way scenes will like kind of cut short the way Coen brothers films do. Like, where am I going to go? China? Yes. And then boop, done. Right. And I'm like, Oh God, like, like th- that was an important conversation you were having, but we don't get full closure. And that's essentially the guy's life. Right. Just constant paranoia. Yes. To the point where he moves to Switzerland at the end of the movie, right? Yep. Is it Switzerland? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I really like this movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. I was telling you before the, the podcast started, I went on a real Lamette kick mm-hmm. maybe at the beginning of college, end of high school, and this was one of those movies that uh, th- that that I binged watched, as it were. Just love Pacino in it, and that's just the takeaway. Like, this guy from day one was born to be a movie star, yep. and he had a weird stretch. It, it's like from 1972... Right, because that Godfather was really his his coming out party, right? Uh, the Godfather, yeah. I, well, actually, I looked this up and I'd seen his filmography. I think he'd done like three movies before this. Yeah, but I think one of them might have even been a short. Because we uh, just sort of consider him one of the great actors of all time, and he is one of the great actors of all time. But it was a real like flash in the pan situation. Yeah, well, it sort of showed who he was too, especially in this movie. You know. Yeah, you got Godfather in '72. Panic yeah. in Needle Park, I think, is his first on-screen performance. I want to say that's what it is. I yeah, haven't. it's it's in there. Um, then you got Serpico in 73, Godfather 2 in 74, Dog Day in 75, and then really nothing until Scarface in 83. So you have <laughs> really? just four incredible performances in a row, and then really nothing until he does like Scarface and Carlito's Way. He does Dick Tracy in there in 1990. Oh, yeah, that's right. Gets the Oscar for Scent of a Woman. So really, the the entire Al Pacino myth was built in four years. Yeah, essentially. I mean, he earned it. My God. Oh, certainly did. Because yeah. these performances are phenomenal. Anything else you observed about Serpico <laughs> on your rewatch? Uh, it's got so much freaking heart. Yes. Oh my God. And I mean, the and a lot of that is expressed through the music, especially at the beginning and the end, of course. But I didn't expect that going into it, like as to how kind of sweet this movie can be yes and how much it sympathizes with this character and like really really loves serpico but under like in and why his whole story is so i mean he didn't die but it's still kind of spiritually very tragic for him yes i love as well love the way it shows him uh um like losing faith in the police department yes because while i was saying like the pacing is frenetic the time it takes for him to 
basically say fuck you guys is not he keeps and, trying to do the right thing yes and, and he it, keeps climbing up the mountain with the cross on his back yep and he takes yeah exactly and it takes its time by laying out little 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 pieces like i'm not going to take money from this book right you know, or like you want that collar no i don't want that collar you can take him like that kind of thing can you can you write this up because if they knew i was firing my gun i'm going to get the shit kicked out of me it's like fine like that kind of right stuff. he navigates it yeah, yeah it's not like a a it's not a fast death. There's not no. like one aha moment of like, now's the time I'm going to do the right thing. It's he not- does try to navigate and negotiate his way through it. No, exactly. I, I, I kept thinking for some reason I thought of The Force Awakens. Oh, <laughs> wow. It's like it's not like uh, like rounding up a bunch of villagers and shooting them as a stormtrooper and being like, that was mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the Sith are on the right track here. <laughs> really? You didn't know, Finn? You know... You didn't, you didn't have any suspicion? Dude, it was all cool when we were just exterminating the droids on, <laughs> on Naboo. But these lowlifes live in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, this this mass extermination was a step too far. <laughs> exactly. Turns out genocide, not a great idea. Nah. Yeah. Mm. It, you're 100% right. It is a morally ambiguous movie in many ways. But also... And this is a hard needle to thread, a movie with a lot of heart, a lot of soul, and at the end, kind of an inspirational mm-hmm. note. Yeah. Oh, when he gives him the shield. Oh, it's heartbreaking. It's just, oh, it's perfect. Yeah. I love, and his, again, like very little dialogue spoken in that scene, but he just plays it. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Here's another New York movie, Mean Streets. Oh, yeah. More New York movies. Jesus Christ. Marty Scorsese, greatest filmmaker alive, directed this. Nah, he sucks. Bong Joon-ho's inspiration. Uh, He sucks, too. A guy named Robert De Niro and Harvey Keitel, stars of The Irishman. They're they're just the worst. They starred in this movie. I hate everyone involved with this movie. Um, Nominated for zero Oscars. Mm Mm-hmm. In 1973, and a small time hood aspires to work his way up the ranks of a local mob. That's the synopsis. Um, mean Streets. Okay, here, here's the thing about it, right? Um, considered Scorsese's first masterpiece. Guess who's knocking on my door is his first movie, but this is the one that it's like, oh... Look at this guy. Look at this guy. And then Taxi Driver, that is the pinnacle of his career, right? Apex. Um, You watch this movie now, and I think the reason why it's not as well-remembered as Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, is it's not as rewatchable as those three movies. It doesn't have a central thrust. It's a lot more just like hanging out in New York with some criminals, doing criminal things, Catholic guilt, violence, yada, yada, yada. And I get it. I wouldn't put Mean Streets in the top three, but it's all there. Yeah. All the Scorsese stuff is there. Mm-hmm. The narration, the pans, the zooms, the music, the Stones music, mm-hmm. like the most iconic scene in the movie, Jumpin' Jack, Jack Flash, Flash is playing in the background. It's great. It's, it's all there, man. Mm-hmm. Like everything, all the stuff that you come to expect out of a Martin Scorsese movie is in this movie in 1973. And it's kind of remarkable that he has done this over and over again, and it still has like this evergreen uh, sensibility. His movies don't feel dated at all. No. <laughs> There's nothing dated no. about any of these. This thing could have came out yesterday. No. Um, and that's why I love it so much. I think it's really an incredible movie, and I would call it a masterpiece. Yeah, maybe. It might be a masterpiece. It's an interesting story, too, in that um, 
he had made um who's that knocking at my door and you know that was like you know fairly well received and then he goes on and does boxcar bertha yes and that was more of like a it's less respected in terms of a production sure i think it was Roger Corman gave him the, the, the foot in the door for that one. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to John Cassavetes to ask him what he thought of the movie. And John Cassavetes is like, kid, you just made a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> really upset Scorsese, obviously. And he's like, what, what is this? I mean, it's whatever, but is this really what you want to be doing? And Scorsese's like, well, I got this one movie cooking and, you know, we got to rewrite the script. And, you know, it's about this and that. And Cassavetes is like, Make that movie. Yeah. <laughs> For the love of God, make that movie. Right. And it turned out to be Mean Streets. Sure. And I think it's one of his most autobiographical. Feels yeah. that way, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually does the narration at the beginning as sort of the voice of God about how, um, you know, you don't you don't seek retribution for your sins in church. You do it in the streets. Yes. Um, and it just feels like he and Keitel and De Niro lived this growing mm-hmm. up in New York. Yep. De Niro and, and Marty were friends in high school. And I'm sure a lot of these guys are based on real characters in their life. Yep. Uh, it, it has like a real authenticity to it. That's what I was saying. Because I saw this uh, when, when I was abroad. And, uh, what was her name? Uh, you're, you suck. <laughs> you're just the worst sometimes. <laughs> okay. Fucking idiot. Anyway. <laughs> I make that joke every time. When I was studying overseas? Better. Okay. Um, <laughs> because I study broads constantly. Might want to have a PhD in broads. <laughs> might want to edit that out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I saw this uh, when I was in England and um and I loved it. I absolutely loved it and it was funny because I would have these film classes and I, they would always ask like what movies have you seen recently and I Got got the the great pleasure of raising my hand, and he's like, "What was yours?" And I was like, "I saw Mean Streets," and he's like, "Oh, really? For the first time? That's great. How was?" It? I was like, "Oh my god, I loved it!" And I was going off on like why I love the performances and its honest portrayal of New York crime life at that time, but low level crime life, and how honest and real it is for the the people involved. And uh, it's it, again kind of like what you were saying, where it's like it's not. Um, it's not the pinnacle of his career, but there, there's so much Scorsese here. It almost feels like the Doctor No of Scorsese movies. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, that's exactly right. Like yeah. it, it wasn't in its final evolved form. It no. was like the early Pokemon. Mm-hmm. You know that you just got to give it a little <laughs> more training, and then you know your Charmander's yeah. going to become a Charizard. Mm-hmm. Just give it some time. Yeah. Like there's there's a lot of like like after hours in this movie. Yeah. In my opinion. But so. you know what though? Having seen all those movies, you kinda have to watch Taxi Driver and Goodfellas first. Mm-hmm. Because you watch those and then you go back and you see some of the tricks yeah. that he pulled off successfully in those movies. It's almost like watching a magician do like a big <laughs> a, a, a big stage illusion. And then you go back and you just see like David Copperfield doing sleight of hand with a deck of cards. And it means more to you mm-hmm. knowing that he can do the little things before he got to the big things. Well, yeah, like I, I watched this. and I was like, oh, this is where he came from. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So it, it, it gives you hope that where it's like, you know what? Like even Scorsese's kind of human. Yes. But it's it's weird because I don't want to say like this is like like amateur because it's no, it's not. amateur. It's, it's quite great. I could never dream of making anything exact, like this. Exactly. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And uh um, oh man, an interesting who? Um, this is also one of De Niro's like breakout performances too. I think it's yeah, it's got to be one of his first. Because I mean, his first was a film by Brian De Palma, uh, called I I forgot oh, the shoot. wedding the wedding party or something like that. I think that's right. Yeah, the wedding party. Yeah. I think 
Yes, the wedding party. Okay. And then this was like the one that put him on the map as Johnny Boy, right? Samsung, Bloody Mama, Hi Mom, a lot of mother things. Uh, Je- Jennifer on the Mind, Born to Win. I mean, he did a lot of shit. Yep. And then, yeah, Mean Streets in 73. Great De Niro performance. Like, yeah. a legitimately great De Niro performance that goes underrated. Well, because he's not the lead, really, in the movie. Yeah. And he's just, like, this this scumbag asshole. He's, like, you know, he's he's closer to someone like Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. And yes. Like, I'm gonna pay you. No, he's just a punk. Yeah, exactly. He's just a punk with no motivation and just does bad things because he enjoys it. Mm-hmm. And can't help himself no matter what. It's great. This... <laughs> Am I allowed to say what they call the people in, in the... In mooks? Yeah, mooks? Yeah, sure. Yeah, go okay, for it. You. Are you allowed? It's a free country. I, well, I don't know. Mook? I was like, wait, is that... <laughs> no, the... it's... Oh, it's racist, certainly. But you're allowed to say it anyway. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. It's racist, but I'm allowed to say it anyway. Yeah. Quote of the day. Yeah. Uh, this guy's a fucking mook. I just love it. <laughs> when he's fighting in the, with, the, with the pool cue, he gets on top of the pool table, just starts batting him away. It's funny, too. Johnny Boy. It's like, dude, Johnny Boy's fucking awesome, yeah. dude. Yeah. This is a great De Niro performance. And it's just like, again, just an anxious feeling little movie the entire way through. Like, it's it's a lot of, it's funny and it's also a lot of fun, but the ending is, it's a lot like Uncut Gems. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about it, it's like, it, oh, yeah. it's a lot like Uncut Gems. I mean, I think it's basically the same ending, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to spoil either movie for people that haven't huh. seen it, but it is the same ending. I love those moments where you're like, oh, it reminds me of... Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, my God. It's the same movie. <laughs> it's almost like there are no new original ideas anymore. <laughs> it's almost like anything put in a movie was put in a movie before. Yeah. But you know... The, the, cool with me. I don't care. No, yeah. Well, that's just a great version of this story. Yes. But the other thing I love about this movie and why it's so interesting to watch is that I kind of feel like this is like a, a template where a lot of people drew from. Or like, this is where like that sort of youthful, energetic filmmaking just came from yes. in a lot of ways. Like, if I, 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 I'm always trying to trace back like where did that, that, that you know, kids making movies now mentality come into play. Mm. And I don't cite Easy Rider... It, this one for me feels like the kind of the start of a lot of that, you know? Yeah. You see that bar just drenched in red. Yeah. And you think, oh, this is just iconic shit here. Mm-hmm. Like this is just scream 70s, screams this generation of yeah. film brats. It's like only Martin Scorsese could have drawn up something like this. Yeah. Um, Unmistakably Mar- Martin Scorsese. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. You, you just watch it and no one else could have done it and no one else would have ever dreamed of doing it yeah. until the Safdie brothers decided to <laughs> rip it off. It's an awesome movie. Though. It's so good. So awesome, awesome good. movie. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I adore it. And if you uh, are a Scorsese fan, but you haven't gotten around to it yet, this is definitely on the syllabus. You okay. need to do this in order to understand, I think, this guy's career. I agree. No, I completely agree. And De Niro, too. I mean, De Niro really I mean, doesn't have many performances like this. Where no. he's just allowed to be a screwball. Where he's a supporting actor like this, too. And, yeah, like you said, a complete fuck-up screwball, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe that's the reason why, though, is because he was cast as the lead in so many of these movies. True. And he had to just... He had to be the heavy. Mm-hmm. I guess you have analyzed this, some of his comedies. Yeah. He's, he's allowed to be kind of over the top. Cape Fear's another one. Yeah. Even though I don't love his performance in Cape Fear, Marty just lets him go. Um but there were just a ton of heavy roles for him yeah. in the next 20 years. So to just see him as a punk kid just blowing up mailboxes and beating <laughs> up people, calling them yeah. mooks. 
And then to go from this to Taxi Driver. Right. Very different. Yeah. I, lo- I, I think Taxi Driver is still my favorite De Niro performance. Just totally different. Yeah, I think so. Totally. I think you're probably right about yeah. that. What about uh, Rock and Bullwinkle, though? <laughs> That's the best movie ever made. Okay. That is better than The Godfather. I can prove that to you. How weird is it that these two guys are still making movies 50 years <laughs> in and they're getting nominated for Oscars? How crazy is that? I had no idea that Martin Scorsese voices a fish in Shark Tale. Did you know that? I need to rewatch Shark Tale. Yeah, you do. Dude, Shark Tale, like, what is it with that movie? <laughs> what? Why is Shark Tale like the skeleton key of pop culture? Explain that to me. What are you talking about? <laughs> I feel like, I'm serious, Shark Tale comes up all the time. What are you talking, Shark Tale comes up on this podcast. For a movie that neither of us have seen in like 20 years, <laughs> Shark Tale comes up way too much on this show. This show? Yes. Does it? We talk about Shark Tale all the time. What the hell? Do you talk about it with Rob? <laughs> no, Shark Tale's a thing. I mean, I guess it is. Yeah, it's a weird thing, but I, I suppose. Jabril brought it up to me and it blew my mind. But yeah, Shark Tale. Maybe that's one we should do for why is this a thing as, as like the, the revisits. How is Shark Tale? What, yeah. What is Shark Tale? I want to do that with B-Movie, too. <laughs> I love B-Movie. Don't don't you shit on B-Movie. I fucking love Why B-movie. would I shit on B-Movie? Okay. Do you know me? I I, I do, but I... Jerry I, Seinfeld wrote the fucking thing? I'm going to shit on B-Movie? I don't know, Nico. Sometimes you, you, you disappoint me quite hard. Never, dude. I gotta stop thinking B. <laughs> You're barely a B. American Graffiti. <laughs> A man named George Lucas directed this movie. What a murderer's row of directors we're doing today, by the way. <laughs> what are we at now? Nic- Jesus, this is a great list. You're right. What a murderer's row. Literally every director on this list is like considered one of the greats. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, maybe not George Roy Hill, but the other one. Ah, I might consider him one of the greater ones. Um, Richard Dreyfus, Ron Howard, another all-time great director. <laughs> Harrison Ford they're all in this movie nominated for five Oscars including best picture best actress in a supporting role best director best adapted screenplay and best film editing funny it was nominated for best film editing because I wanted to talk about that Um, George Lucas's first big movie put him on the map and that's why we have Star Wars so of course this movie is always going to be important Um, I had not seen it since I was maybe nine years old. Really? It's been a long time. Did I, you rewatch it? I did. Oh. I rewatched it the other day. Um, I, wa- I actually first watched it when I got into Star Wars because I'm like, I need some more George Lucas. So I watched American Graffiti and I remember liking it, but not remembering much from it because I think I was just too young. Um, so I watched it again this week. And, you know, I got to tell you, maybe it's the dazed and confused thing i'm not sure what movie i i assume it's dazed and confused but you could maybe point to uh something like the breakfast club Mm -hmm. or another 80s 90s high school movie most high school movies that are period pieces are incredibly slow yeah and that's not necessarily a bad thing that's oftentimes intentional but something like dazed and confused specifically with link later what he's trying to do there is convey how like when you're in high school, time stands still. I guess. And how life just goes on forever and summers go on forever. And because when you're in school, you're not doing anything. No. You don't have jobs. You don't have prospects. You don't have a career to, or a family to think about. And so, like, Dazing of Hughes is just stoners hanging out for a day. No. And 
you watch those movies and you just sort of settle into the rhythm of you just chilling out and having conversations about stuff. Yes. American Graffiti is a lively movie. Yes, I agree. It really moves in a way that most high school movies, especially that are period pieces, don't move. It has a real energy and a spirit to it. And it's, again, you think about George Lucas and you think, what happened to that guy? <laughs> like, he was just firing on all cylinders in this movie. Mm-hmm. And then after Star Wars, just nothing, nothing of note for 40 years and three terrible Star Wars prequels that don't understand pacing, by the way. No. Yeah. And this movie is just so efficient in its rhythm. And it just yes. felt like a song. Well, that's what... It- it's just sung like a song. That's what I was going to say. This is the, one of the most musical films I've ever seen that isn't actually a musical. Yeah. And it is so like like so like in love with its time, which is kind of like and again, you could maybe say maybe that's dated, but that energy is like infectious. Yeah. So I watch this and I just have a blast with it and while there is no plot, I don't really care cuz the world is inhabited by just these really entertaining characters. With like tiny little stories to get you invested in pretty much everything that's going Not on. Not much plot though. No, hardly any plot. No, I said there's no plot. Yeah, I no. said there's no plot. Yeah, 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 sure. There are just little mini stories. Yeah. Exactly right. I actually like this one a little bit more than Dazed and Confused. Because, I think I do too yeah, because of that energy, and it just like it just it's just it's fun. I don't know. It's just it it makes sense in the sense that this is like our parents is like um um what's a good example like maybe they're super bad. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Not as vulgar, of course, but <laughs> for me, at least, like that fun, somewhat comedic, like like high school romp that sort of set the bar for other things that were going to come. It's not a straight comedy, though. No. No, I agree. You know? Which is the thing. Which is why I think of this one in line with Dazed and Confused so similarly. Right. It's like, I don't find Dazed and Confused that funny, but there's points of levity that are kind of entertaining. But Dazed and Confused, again, doesn't have that forward momentum. No. Like, it doesn't. That's just like a chill out movie. And maybe <laughs> that's a generational thing, too. Like, maybe, like, kids that grew up in the 80s yep. are uh, have a different lifestyle than kids that grew up in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's reflected here. Like, sure. George Lucas set out to make something fast moving and entertaining and deeply personal and you can tell that he lived pretty much all of this yes especially with the cars oh my god oh yeah the cars are so specific yeah everything in this movie is so specific every detail mm-hmm. is thought out yep. um it just feels like a piece of americana yeah doesn't it yeah it does i really love it you think about 70s diners and you think american graffiti yeah exactly you know? that, that's where it comes from mm-hmm and I just wish I'd lived this life. It's one of those like high school movies where it's like, man, I wish I was 16. Yeah. <laughs> just cruising around the most exciting boulevard yep. in the country. Mm-hmm. Like it is the most poppin' small town. That's true. Yeah. Everybody is just around the corner at the diner, hanging out, <laughs> going to the club, shooting pool, this, that. There's so much life in, in this small town. And it seems like it just goes on all night. Mm-hmm. Like these kids are just hanging out with each other, driving out, making out by the uh, on Lover's Peak or whatever <laughs> until like six in the morning. That's the thing. I remember being like, they're out really fucking late. Is this night ever going to end? Yes. <laughs> but no. And everyone's listening to the same radio station. Yeah. It's that one guy who's in the radio station alone at four in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, I want to listen to this dude. I want to write him anonymous notes. <laughs> You totally- I want to chase girls in this town. I want to race Harrison Ford. Yeah. I want to do it all. Yeah, I agree. I fucking love this movie. I realized yeah. that this weekend. Yeah. I'm like, I remember it as a kid quite fondly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but there are just not many high school movies like this. If any high school movie like this, no. Well, the and that's the other, the other thing about high school movies more often than not is that like I I watch them and I'm like like from a cinematic point of view like snooze right like, I I get the idea cool but like. It, 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 when they're trying to be fun, how about that? When they're trying to be a lot of fun, it's just like it's either boring or it's so inauthentic that I'm I I just disconnect right out right out of the gate. Whereas like again, this one is just a joy. It's again, it's one of those movies that kind of makes you want to dance. I just love I love the, the 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 rhythm and spirit of everything that happens in this movie. And like you said, just I just want to live there yeah. because it's so well realized on the screen and every single detail is personalized and lived in and specific to the era, but. That kind of makes it. It just. It's obviously more authentic because of that. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah, be, I, and it was so authentic, so iconic that it became a trope. Exactly. And now every high school movie ever made has mimicked this in some way. But I would argue not as well. No. Um. And Excellent. I also think a lot of it too are these characters. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny. You watch Days and Confused, and you remember McConaughey, and you remember uh, the dude that wants to be a dancer, and like a couple of the characters you recognize and you care about their arc. Um, you never lose sight of these characters. No. Like, you know exactly who Richard Dreyfus is and what he's trying to accomplish, and that through line is never lost, and you remember the nerd who got the car, and you know what's up with Ron Howard and his girlfriend, and although these guys are kind of douchey, like, a bunch of them are shitheads. Richard yeah. Dreyfus is a shithead in this movie. Yeah. Ron Howard is a shithead in this movie. Yeah. You still care about their journey. Yeah, because um, we've all kind of been those shitheads to a degree. Oh, certainly. Yeah, so. yeah, I've been many of them in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure exactly which one I am, but I'm many of them. I was waiting for you to say, I was Harrison Ford. I was not Harrison Ford. I was Ford. Harrison Ford. Let me assure you of that. I was not Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah. You weren't? Really? Really? What was your first clue? <laughs> What's your first clue? It's the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? What else do you want to say about it, dude? It's it's fucking American graffiti. It's great. I love it. Yeah, I love it. How can you not? Yeah. If you haven't watched it in a while, like me, I would recommend revisiting because it is one of those movies that I feel like kind of gets taken for granted because it's so ingrained. I know. It's popping though. So awesome. Popping. Awesome movie. The Exorcist. <laughs> William Freakin directs. Uh, Ellen Bernstein, Max Van Sydow, and Linda Blair star. Winner of two Oscars. Best adapted screenplay and best sound. Mm. Also nominated for best picture, best actress, best actor in a supporting role, best actress in a supporting role, director, cinematography, art direction, and film editing. This was a beloved movie. <laughs> In 1973. Strangely. Just blew everyone away. <laughs> yeah. It's... Uh, I, I, I've been trying to figure out why exactly that is in a lot of ways. Is it... You know... But, uh, you know... Talk to me. Maybe when horror films decide, hey, we're going to actually implement some good craft here. Yeah. That they'll be highly respected movies. I, I don't know, like, because I, I think of the Hereditaries and the Midsummers, and even though they're not the most enjoyable films in the world, for some reason the circuits are like, it's a brilliant film. And Fair, but there is no chance Hereditary is getting nominated for Best Picture. That's the kicker. That's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> that, that's where you go, wait a second. I understand why the movie would do well with critics. I do not understand why this movie did well with the Academy. 
I don't even understand how it became the second highest grossing movie of the year. That's pretty nuts. Well, it was marketed as the scariest movie ever made. And it was the scariest movie ever made. Not just marketed as, it was. I watched it for the first time. And oh my I God, was this movie terrified. fucked with me so bad when I first saw it. Yeah. Would not recommend watching as a child. No, no. I probably saw it too young, though, in my life. Like, and, and I mean, like, I mean Jesus. If you watch this before high school, <laughs> I, oh, think, yeah. I think by the time you hit high school, you're probably okay. But anything before that, no fucking way. Yeah. Depends no what kind of way. high schooler you are, I would I say. I guess that's true. <laughs> if you were like me, I was not ready for it. I guess my high school could have taken anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but like. What? Like, so what? Like, if, if I mean, it's cool. And we've discussed this. It's pretty, pretty cool that, you know, the Oscars were like, yo, let's nominate this thing. Because this movie's perfect. Yes. It's fucking perfect. Yes. I love this. One of my favorite movies. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, here's the thing, though. Like, uh, some some real messed up stuff happens in this movie. Oh, yeah. Some real messed up stuff. And you think about it, like, it's 1973. Oh, so uh, on the edge in 1973. Now, if this shit came out now, it would be on the edge. Like, yeah. that's the type of movie that it is, man. Like, if you are watching a 12-year-old girl possessed by a demon masturbating with a crucifix like that's gonna make some waves especially if max von Sydow and ellen bernstein are in your movie you know what i'm saying like if helen mirren came out with some you know some movie like the exorcist where like this little girl is vomiting all over the room and like a demon is taunting a priest and there's the scene of crawling down the staircase and just all the revolting things that are said that come out of their mouths. Did you know the the um, staircase scene was not in the theatrical cut? Is that right? Yep. How? Why? I don't know, but it was not. That's it was, bizarre. It was added later, and it was so good that they're like, okay, it's in the movie forever now. So this is a Wicker Man Bees situation? Mm-hmm. Is that what this is? The yep. most iconic scene in the movie is not in the original cut? No, the most iconic scene is the head turn. Come on, dude. <laughs> it's the head turn. Get over it. It's the fucking head turn. <laughs> Nothing to get over. <laughs> Not that you have to reckon with emotionally. <laughs> so I'm not taking it do. personally. Yeah. I'm just... <laughs> well, you should. Okay. Uh, this, yeah. I, I mean, dude... I, I just, like, don't know how this got past the Hollywood <laughs> machine in 73. Yeah. Because this movie is pretty perverse. Oh, my God. The, the entire movie is about a, girl, a little girl getting possessed by a demon, and the insinuation is that she's just constantly being raped by this thing. Correct. What the fuck? Right. <laughs> what the holy fuck is this shit? <laughs> Yet somehow it becomes this iconic piece of Americana. There is nothing more revolting in the entire movie than when they pull up her shirt and then, help oh, me. Help me. It, 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 I, ugh. I hate it, but it's so good. So what was it? What was it about the movie? Was it just that it was good? Is that all we're, we're worried about here? I don't know what else it could be. <laughs> no, there is not a single thing about this movie that's incorrect in my opinion. Yeah. I think it's still fucking scary. I think the performances are remarkable and we'll talk, you know, the direction's fantastic. All the choices. Freaking, dude. Freaking. Dude. How did this guy make both Exorcist and The French Connection? Th- those movies have nothing in common. Because he's crazy. <laughs> and then he goes on to make Killer Joe. Let's not forget. I haven't. Don't worry about it. We, we never will. You ever seen Bug? No. Ooh, Bug's pretty tight. I hear it's really good. Yeah. I'll see it. Freakin' is still doing shit, man. I know. Freakin' still out there. 
He's out, he's out there. He's, he's out, out there. there. <laughs> he's far out there. <laughs> he's wandering the streets. Oh, my God. So I, that's what I'm really trying to get to the bottom, too. Like, this movie, I also read this story in my research, was supposed to be rated X. Any okay. uh, film censor with any sense in 1973 would have given it an X rating. Yeah. But I guess the head of the MPAA watched the movie and said, you know what? This is an important movie. Wow. And... I'm just going to give it an R rating and we're just going to go on with it. That's we're not we're not going to give it any cuts. We're just going to we're going to leave it as it was presented to us. That is unheard of. Yeah. Considering all the terrible shit the MPAA does. They just let them get away with this one. I just think this movie was destined to be a a sensation and it sort of just bucked every trend. It's just one of those weird movies. These, These weird success stories. A movie like The Exorcist. Should be one of those cult classics that only you and I talk about. Yeah, that's true. But it's a movie that my parents have seen. Every everybody has seen. This Everyone's movie. parents have seen this movie, and everyone can reference this movie and quote this movie. No, I'm not kidding. This is a movie on the level of sensation as Jaws. How though? How? I don't know. It's amazing though, isn't it? Isn't it so cool? It is. I, I love talking about this movie for that reason because it is so wildly popular. Right. And like it's one of you we were talking about uh Exorcist two on why is this a thing? <laughs> yeah, we did. Back in October, the heretic, which is uh just a tire fire. <laughs> Nick had not seen the original Exorcist, but he had this conversation seamlessly. Yeah. Because he knew the Exorcist, even though he hadn't seen it. It's one of those movies that you just know. You know yeah. the staircase, you know the head turn, you know who Reagan is, um, you know who Mox Van Sido is. You've seen that shot of him with the briefcase looking into the apartment. And Power of Christ Compels You. Yeah, you just know all Everything. that stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just, in that way, consider this movie to be a miracle. It's the popular horror film, in my opinion. Speak on what so. it did for horror, by the way. I mean, it certainly pushed the boundaries of what you were allowed to do in yeah. horror films. Um and it brought out a lot of like interesting imitators, some of which were great, like The Omen, in, uh-huh. my, in my opinion. And the, and, Damien. Or, yeah, yeah, I know. And like stylistically, films like Possession, which I haven't seen, but I've, I understand are kind of similar in that vein, even though it's not about this at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's another end of that coin that essentially just inspired a string of like 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 possession movies which are still happening today the grudge oh my god what's that other one with the kid from stranger things i just saw a trailer for it oh the but that that's an adaptation of an old story of uh that that that's uh, fuck, the turning okay yeah looks awful apparently it's horrendous <laughs> i recommend the innocence the innocence is fantastic okay what is that it's the same exact story okay. it's, it's essentially a remake of the same story okay yeah that movie's very good this I, what else is there to say <laughs> yeah I, I i think in that respect the influence was not all that great um but very rarely do you have that in horror most of the no. time like a good horror movie comes out and then 20 bad ones come out that try to imitate it well honestly legacy is a troubling thing because you're you, I would say more often than not, their legacies can be problematic. Even The Dark Knight has a legacy, but I would argue maybe not a great legacy. Yep. The movie itself is great, but what it inspired, not so much. Gun to your head, what's the best, um, or I should say, what's the scariest movie of all time? Gun to your head. For me personally? That you've ever seen. Blair Witch Project. 
Okay, I still think it's this. I was more scared by this, I think. You think so? It's close. Honestly, Hereditary's up there, though. Really? Yeah. Interesting. We saw it in the theater together. You saw my reaction the whole time. I was was a wreck. Hereditary had its moments. I was smiling the whole time, but... (laughs) (laughs) You perverse. But it had its moments. Yeah, I agree. No, it's it's either this or uh, Blair Witch Project. It's very close. Yeah. And maybe that's only because I've seen Blair Witch more recently. I don't know. The Exorcist. I will not be watching it anytime soon. I've seen it once, and that's enough for me. I think I don't own the movie, and I hate myself for not owning it. I need to buy this thing. You need to remedy that situation because I would watch this frequently. If I'm if I'm ever having a bad day, just turn on The Exorcist, <laughs> and then then Hereditary, then Midsummer, and then the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's a good evening. How's that sound, Nico? Sounds like what I'm destined for after I die. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> that's hell for you. <laughs> with you sitting next to me, cackling. With a with a perverse grin, just bopping my head. Oh God! <laughs> Don't ever make that face again at me, dude. That's tough. Uh, let's go to a happier movie now. Kind of. The Sting. My favorite movie on the list. That's okay. My favorite. That's okay. But it is the most Nico movie on the list, isn't it? Also very true. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with loving this movie. I lo- I love this movie too. Don't worry. George Roy Hill directs, as we said, Paul Newman, Robert Redford, and Robert Shaw star in this one. Of course, winner of Best Picture along with Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Film Editing, Score. Wow, a lot of wins for yeah that movie. Um, also nominated for Best Actor, Cinematography, and Sound. Interesting. Um, two grifters team up to pull off the ultimate con. This is just a con man movie, yeah. but it is the goddamn best con man movie ever made. <laughs> yep. And uh, fight me if you feel otherwise. And you know what? A story like this just always works. Mm-hmm. A con man story, it just will not fail. No. A heist movie and a con man story, they always work no matter who stars, who directs, who writes it. Um... And I just think it's because it's so satisfying. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. They are the most satisfying movies ever made. A lot of times you go to a movie and you're just left with an empty feeling. And I don't mean satisfying in terms of like it gives you exactly what you want. But because I, I don't like necessarily like movies like that. But I do enjoy a movie that um, that uh, like you can play along with. It's like an interactive game that you're playing with yourself. A yeah. choose your own adventure. Where it's like you're trying to put together the puzzle and the conclusion always feels so good because it feels like you did the work with Newman and Redford. Mm. And that is, I think, the brilliance of this movie. It doesn't cut any corners. You are there every step of the way for the con, even though you don't know exactly what's happening. It is it is not short shrifting you on anything like you go to the poker scene in the in the boxcar and you understand why they're doing that. And then, you know, there, there's the moment where uh uh, they set up the the fake uh, gambling site, the fake underground casino, yep. and there's the odds maker that gets all the results from the horse track before he releases it to the public. And as soon as Robert Shaw wants to meet this guy, uh, Newman and Redford realize we got to set up a fake office downtown, steal someone's office, and then plant our guy in there <laughs> to to convince this this uh, guy of the con. And again. Every detail is so well realized. They don't cut any corners. It's so well thought out. And the script works for that reason. It's not uh, It's not a convenient con. 
there is a lot of groundwork, a lot of process, and I love movies that value process. Wow. You love this movie. I do, man. <laughs> and it's also Redford and Newman. I mean, come on, dude. Yeah, of it's course. Redford and Newman. Oh, it's one of the it's the greatest team up. It's the greatest team yes. up. Yes. This movie is such a comfort blanket for me. Yeah. And I saw it a little bit later and I'm just like, why have I not seen this movie? Why how have I missed this? I can't like it's it's one of those like fugitive kind of films where it's like I just wrap myself up and I'm just like let's just sit down for a comfortable evening and watch the sting yeah and movies like this are just like, like you said about the being satisfying I mean they're sort of inherently engaging because I mean you're constantly you're, you're constantly wondering how they're gonna pull it off even in the little moments like the poker scene yeah and you're there's an interesting interplay between the film and the audience where you're trying to guess how they're gonna do it and trying to pick up on the sleight of hand and the magic trick. Because you're going. kind of being conned along. Exactly. With, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Along with Robert Shaw. Yeah, it's like everything Christopher Nolan strives to do in his movies. How dare you? I'm sorry. <laughs> Any chance to bash Christopher Nolan, I'll do it. I know. Yeah. But uh, this is certainly, you're not wrong. It's the best version of any con man story. I guess maybe, I don't know, fucking Ocean's Eleven is up there. <laughs> well, that's it's a not, heist movie. It's not really a con. Eh, kind of. A little, little conny. Little Connie. Little Connie. Little Connie. I like Out of Sight better than Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, you it's know probably me. better, yeah. It's a tough call. But this movie, again, is just such a joy. And a lot of that is because of the just really sharp writing between Paul Newman and uh, Robert Redford. But I love what they give these characters and just how 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 well-realized the characterizations are and whatnot. And Paul Newman just being this funny drunk and trying to overcome that and to just get along with uh, uh, Robert Redford to just... the. What happens to Robert Redford at the beginning? And how, oh yeah, there's how, some pathos there. Oh yeah, and his arc from being a degenerate gambler essentially to becoming, you know, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't need any of this. I'm fine without it. I'm gonna walk the straight and narrow, yeah. <laughs> by conning someone. But I love it. I don't care. It's just so, well, yeah. There is an ethic there, right? Yeah, exactly. Like there is such a thing as a respectable con man and a and a degenerate con man. Mm-hmm. But it's also the, the the other thing about this movie is that a lot of movies like this that are con movie. Like, here, here's a better example is um. Um, uh, Guy Ritchie does movies like this. Yes, in, in essence, a lot. Yes, and they're very confusing. I got to do the gentleman. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. I, I've been hearing it's 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 like if you want a classic Guy Ritchie film, watch that one. Yeah, I need some of that. <sighs> but they're confusing as fuck. They're very difficult to follow. A little convoluted. Yeah, extremely convoluted, and it's so entertaining that I don't care. But again, like if you're if you go into the movie and you and you're trying to follow along it, it it's almost not even worth it but this movie um i don't i don't it doesn't hold your hand it's very generous and and it doesn't treat the audience like they're idiots but maybe it's the pacing of the movie yes it just takes its time to observe the moments properly because again yeah. it does the work yeah there there are no scenes where a quick cut happens no. you can tell like you look at the script i'm sure very little of the script was edited in the no. final cut I'm sure most of the scenes were in there because there's never a moment where you're like, wait a minute, when did they buy this building and mm. when did they, when did this guy get introduced into the picture and when did the FBI agent enter the frame and like, there's none of that. No. There's no, all of the work is in there and it, it, it really gets its hands dirty in the plot of this movie and yeah. I love a script like that. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why I love Breaking Bad so much and I yeah. love The Wire so much. It's a real like television sensibility of okay. Walter White's going to go in the desert and make this meth but you are going to pay attention to 
every bump along that road because everything's going to matter everything matters like what happens when they go out in the desert and they're out of gas Mm -hmm. and we're just going to be with them for an hour and better call Saul one of the reasons why better call Saul is so brilliant same thing like I got to do the legal work but what if I mess up a date on this particular contract what's that going to lead for me down the line Um, what kind of trouble will that present the the sting is just juggling all those balls in the air at once Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, it's not lazy. It's no, really smart writing. No, no, That's no, no. the key. Yeah. It's not lazy. Yeah. And it's just a joy. It's so just a joyful. Jo- it's just this wonderful music and this wonderful uh, aesthetic with New York. And it's just charming as hell. And the, the uh, James Earl Jones's father yeah. is, is excellent in this oh, movie yeah, as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the guy at the beginning. You're yeah, right. Yeah. And yeah, man, like it's, we, we picked a list of movies. So it's like, they're all fucking dope. What they're really me? good. What do, want, what do you want me to say? And there were like I, three or four that we could have easily nominated. Oh, yeah, exactly. I actually saw the sting uh, 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 projected at the Warner Theater. Oh, that's awesome. I saw it on the big screen and the, the producer of the film was there. The guy who won the Oscar. So oh, I sick. actually uh, talked to him and his daughter. Really? Yeah. How was that? They're pleasant. He's like, he's, you know, he's very like kind of stern guys. Just like, yeah, how you doing? And my my mom was there, was like asking him more questions than I was, and he's like, she she was asking him if he has any advice for me. <laughs> How it, long ago was this? Uh, God, I don't know, three years ago, four years, maybe four. No, yeah, four four years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Sick. It was awesome. Yeah, really, really cool. My dad loves this movie too. Every my dad loves it. It's a real dad movie. It no, it is uh, certainly <laughs> some serious dad energy. <laughs> but it's so great. It doesn't matter. It's so much fun. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. It's the sting, baby. It is indeed the sting. Okay, that's it, Adam. Yeah, let's do this, shall we? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going to have a tough time with this. Yeah, because I have two in mind, and I'm sure they're your two as well. They are. Um. So what should we do here? Don't look now is gone. Yeah, you got to cross off. Don't look now, even though it's awesome. And Serpico is gone. And Mean Streets. I think you're right. I think those all go bye bye. And I hate to say it, the Sting as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I I just don't think it's as I, as iconic as the other two. No. Although I thought that was a pretty good choice by the Oscars. Yes. That year. Yeah. But again, it's a whole lot worse. It would have been more interesting had they gone with The Exorcist in a way, but that is an impossibility. Exactly. <laughs> that is insane. Not, that not... would have been more insane than Parasite. <laughs> it's not a bad choice, though. I agree. Very well. There it goes. Um, now we're down to American Graffiti and The Exorcist, and I got to be honest with you, it's very close. It's I... incredibly close. Yeah, I mean, on. Well, let's talk about all three of them here quality here's the thing is that it's for for me it's close on all accounts but i also think there's a clear winner where one movie nudges each one of them out on all accounts okay so influence um you're gonna go exorcist on that mm-hmm. yeah i think you can make the argument for graffiti just because you could, you could it it really did set the template for for high school movies yeah yeah. It is the high school movie in many ways. If, if I said you greatest high school movie of all time, it's that one. Mm-hmm. But then I would also say greatest horror movie of all time. Well, you've 
used like five different movies. I don't care for that designation. But, but most publications, <laughs> can you pick one? Most pub, it's not. Is my, it Texas Chainsaw? Is it Alien? Or is it this dude? I would say Texas Chainsaw is the most important, but I think most publicists would, in terms of quality, are going to cite this one first. Film snobs will be like, no, it's actually Texas Chainsaw. But for for pop culture, which I know you love, Nico. I do love me some pop culture. It's The Exorcist. I, I have always enjoyed pop culture. Yes. Uh, iconography. Mm, I think I think it, when it comes down to it, if I were to show a frame from The Exorcist, everyone's going to know what it is. Not as many people are going to know what American Graffiti is. Um... What do you figure more people have seen? The Exorcist. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, but I think you're. I think it's true. <laughs> and uh, and quality. I I look. I, you can I, make I, an argument. Uh, I like American Graffiti more, but that is a purely Nico. Yes, I know taste. We have to stress, by the way, that it is very close, and we, American Graffiti should be in the Hall of Fame, but we can only pick one. That is true. We can only pick one. It is the cross that we must bear. It's The Exorcist. All right, very well. Yep. Congratulations to The Exorcist. If my sound effect will play. And here it comes. Ah. <laughs> we, we got a horror movie in there. Another one. We only have a few. We have enough. Yeah. We have enough now. We don't need any more. We've got enough. What? what 2018 hereditary gets in so when we're doing 2028 <laughs> when we're with you eight years later in 2028 <laughs> oh man yeah that'll be fun by the way if you are curious about which movies have been inducted into the movie hall of fame mm. um I am on this letterboxed thing. Yes. You are too. I don't think you understand how it works though. <laughs> Not really. Yeah, I got to like teach you how that works. <laughs> Cuz I don't think you're doing it right. <laughs> what do you mean am I not doing it well, right? Well, you're like logging every movie you've ever seen and rating it. Yeah. But you're like putting them in your diary as though you watched it that day. Oh, is that how it works? Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? So like if you go on your feed, it's like you watched all 10 Indiana or like all 10 Indiana Jones, Star oh. Wars. And you know, you watch them all in one day. I made lists though. Like as a thing, like I've been much more active making just lists. Okay. The uh, lists are all well and good. Yeah. Like rankings and shit like that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, the, the watching stuff though. I don't know, but I created a list called the movie hall of fame. Yeah. And so you can go there and every movie we inducted, we've inducted a bunch, by the way, we've been doing this for a while now, almost a year. Um, every movie that we put in is in there in like a nice, pretty little package. And then links to every episode are also underneath the movie. So if you want to see like, uh, the, the podcast that Blade Runner and ET were both inducted into, you can just scroll down on the site and click on the Blade Runner picture and then you get the link to the class of 1982. Cool. So it's this cool thing. Cool. So follow me on Letterboxd. I think I'm at. Nico DiGregorio? I don't remember what my name is. Shoot. Mm-mm. Just search for my name. Yeah. It's I'm, there. Yeah. I'm around too. Doing my stupid lists. Yeah. I've also ranked every movie I saw in 2019 up to 72 movies. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're doing that too? Yeah. I guess there's a few I should probably include. I didn't do that. But yeah, I ranked all mine as well on my list. So yeah. 
Let me see what list you've created here. Oh God, you're gonna! I, I got a Rocky list on there. Oh, you do? Yeah, I do, and it has not changed whatsoever. I did I do my alien and waves number one? Huh? Yep. Dude, that is a. It's a take. That is a. <laughs> that is a hot list. Dude. I'm, I'm aware of that. Yeah, there's my Rocky. Rocky. You got the AVP movies. Yeah, uh, yeah, all the Alien and Predator films. <laughs> Explain to me why Sicario is at the bottom of your Villeneuve list. Well, you also have to understand that I love each and every one of those movies. Like, there are, the range is four and a half to five. I don't like that. So, I think my list is the complete inverse of that. I think, you, yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> which I find so bizarre. I think you can reverse that list. And it's mine. You got the Reffins. Yep. All right. Well, how do you do Nolan? Let's say. Oh, that's right. You think Prestige is the best? Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's not terrible. I don't hate it. No. Uh, <laughs> the reference. You don't give a fuck about the reference. You care more about uh, Tarantino, I assume. Yeah, I don't have a problem with this. You should really see Pusher too. It might give you some hope in Nicholas Winding Refn. Yeah, this Rocky list is just wrong. But. <laughs> we are never. Why is gonna... Creed two so high? Explain that to me. Because I like Creed two. What do you mean? Explain it. Ugh, this is just a horrible list. You're a horrible list. <laughs> Speaking of lists, what are we doing next week? <laughs> God, I don't know. Well, give me a year. <laughs> give me a year. Just pick uh, something randomly. Um, okay, eighty three. Let's do it. <laughs> 83 i don't know i'm just i don't shit. fucking know. how about 77 you want to do 77 yeah let's do 77 okay i think that would be fun sure i think there's a good debate at the center of that one let's see yeah let's do 77 i'll go first Annie hall oh yeah star wars fine star wars uh, Saturday Night Fever, baby. Eraserhead. Oh, all right. We can talk more Eraserhead. <laughs> I guess. Uh, Close Encounters of the third kind. That is not the fourth kind. Not the fifth kind. It's not the fourth kind. Not the don't, second kind. Don't make that. A- Ooh, High Anxiety came out. And Kentucky- High Anxiety <laughs> and Kentucky Fried Movie. <laughs> A lot of comedies that year. Yeah. Like, How about Winnie the Pooh, the movie? Really? Oh, my God. The Duelist? Fuck yeah. I love The Duelist. The Heretic came out that year. Yeah. <laughs> Slapshot. <laughs> Slapshot. Fuck yeah, Slapshot. Uh, this is a fun podcast, just yelling movie names. You know you know how it is. Oh, I do. Do I have to go Smokey and the Bandit? Uh, you don't have to. I'm not really seeing any of your options, but you don't have yeah, to. I mean, Hills Have Eyes is pretty good. <laughs> Never saw. Janky as hell. Really? For its time, but it, it's it's very good, yeah. Let me see what the National Film Registry did. It's got to be Smokey and the Bandit, I guess. I don't think it has to be. Is what that like a good movie? Smokey, have you seen it? Yeah, but is yeah. it like good? It's Smokey and the Bandit. I don't know. Come on. It's the best car ever. Best car ever, huh? Yeah. I've actually... You can see this car o- over in Canton. Some guy has it in his shop. Really? Yeah. The bandit's just hanging out in Connecticut? Yeah, I, where I bought my car. I just went in and I was what? like... What? And I was like, why do you have... Uh, <laughs> why do you have the, the bandit car here? 
Is it just a version of the bandit, or is it the bandit that they used in the movie? I had I didn't ask, but part of me thinks it's the bandit. Car. No, it's not the bandit. There's no way it's just in the dude's garage. I, I gotta ask him about that. I gotta go back over and see what that's about. Um, National Film Registry is not helping. No, <laughs> no. We could, here's what we could do. What? Let's just do five. Oh, good idea. There you go. There's a good idea. Yeah. All right. Annie Hall, Close Encounters <laughs> of the Third Kind, Eraserhead, Saturday Night Fever, and Star Wars. There you go. Yeah, those movies have never come up on a podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be some sizzling hot content for the cinephiles out there. Nobody. Let's talk New Hope on a podcast. Let's be honest. Nobody's seen Star Wars. Nobody's seen Star Wars. Uh, all right. Uh, you have 30 seconds to talk about the Wes Anderson trailer. Speak now. <laughs> I'm thought- giving you 30 seconds and then I'm playing you off Oscar style, dude. Wow. Okay. Let's go. Um, so Wes Anderson's the, the French Dispatch, the craziest uh, hipster name I've ever heard. Um, it's not it's more hipster than the Life Aquatic with Steve Musso. <laughs> it just feels like it's ripping off the French connection. Uh, it's so aggressively Wes Anderson that it was making me sick. Uh, but I'm sick too. But I absolutely loved it, and I can't wait for the movie. And it's going to be my favorite film of all time. And uh, I, I, it's the best movie I've ever seen in my life. And uh, best, you haven't seen it yet. It's the best movie I've ever seen. You haven't seen, but it. it's the best movie I've ever seen. Um, um, and best performance by Bill Murray and Adrian Brody and Benicio del Toro, especially, and Timothy Chalamet. He really breaks out in this what movie. What the fuck is Chalamet doing here? <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, yeah, really broke out in his performance of uh, in uh, the French Dispatch, and um, it's it, it's nice to see Wes Anderson win his first Oscar for best directing <laughs> and best original screenplay, and I couldn't be happier for the guy. Why is it in black and white? <laughs> it's not exclusively in black and white. Why is it in black and white? It's not exclusively in black and white. Oh, did you see that aspect ratio too? Fuck yeah, man. That aspect ratio. I had a half chub the where whole did, time. Where does he get off thinking he's making Raging Bull? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> where, where do you get off, dude? There's nothing that makes me happier than torturing Nico with Wes Anderson. I am going to hate this movie okay so much will you meet me there are other okay so much okay i'm trying to think of because i've seen this movie before dude i've seen it five times before yeah. i'm done i don't need this again you love the fast and furious movies dude i don't oh don't act like they're the same thing <laughs> i think stop they, they're dude. exactly the don't, same don't thing. don't come they on. are identical <laughs> Dude, like, don't act like... On principle, they are the same thing. Can You know, at least I'm self-aware enough to be like, you know what? Those movies are escapism. It's candy. I'll tell you what. Did we just... I'll tell you you what. Can we do... The two of us were munching on gummy bears before we started this podcast. (laughs) You understand a sweet tooth. You understand the sensation of a sweet tooth. And this stuff is a sweet tooth to me. And look, I saw that Fast 9 trailer and Han is back after three movies. Han is fucking back. And it's just like, yo, give me some sour gummy worms. I have a sweet tooth too. That's why I like Wes Anderson. Tell you what, dude. Here's the other thing, man. It's like Michelle Rodriguez and Vin Diesel. Like the Fast movies are not occupying their time. It's not like you watch Fast Eight and you're like, man, the Michelle Rodriguez career that could have been. If only the Fast movies hadn't taken Ludacris from us. Perhaps like he would be our fucking 
Sidney Poitier. It's not, you know, no one's saying that. But then you see this movie and it's like Chalamet and Saoirse Ronan and Elizabeth Moss are great actors. McDormand's in this yeah. one. Tilda Swinton's in this one. That chick Wes from- Anderson has stolen these great actors from us. <laughs> that French chick from Blue is the Warmest Color. She's in that. Nico, how about that symmetrical framing? Wasn't that so awesome? I'm out. Wasn't that so awesome? I'm out. If I watch... Well, I'm going to boycott this movie. What if I... I'm boycotting. What if I watch Fast 9 with you? Will you go and... Will you also go and see... Uh, and we do, we do a little review. Is that the deal we're making? Yeah. Have you seen a Fast and Furious movie? Of course I have. How many have you seen? I have seen one, two, half of three, and I shut it off. Um, and I've seen, uh, four and six have not seen five. And so you've not seen the best one yet. So maybe actually I, you haven't seen the two best. Oh, ones. and I've seen, did I say six? I did say six. Yes. Yeah. You haven't seen seven though. No. Five and seven are literally the two best. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um, okay. If I watch the rest of the fast and furious movies, including this new one and including Hobbs and fucking Shaw, Will you watch French Dispatch with me? Um, if we induct a Fast and Furious movie into the Hall of Fame, then yes. Fast and Furious pod. Okay. It's happening. Can we do a Wes Anderson pod? No. You won't, you won't give me that? Nope. You won't do it? Nope. <laughs> no, sir. That doesn't seem fair. <laughs> Dems the terms, dude. Shit. Dems the terms of this bargain. And I drive a hard bargain. That's the movie Hall of Fame. We love you. Yeah. Go to the website tmt.media, too many thoughtsmedia.com for more of our shit. Until next time, everybody. Lick me. Don't. Lick me. Don't. <laughs> Why do you always go to the most revolting quote? It's awful, dude. <laughs>